Bing bong. I'm back with another edition of the State of Bitcoin podcast, where I'm joined by two very special guests, Publord at Publord Hoddle and Anders from the Toxic Bitcoin Happy Hour. Now, if you've stopped into their Toxic Bitcoin Happy Hour, you know these guys are hilarious. They're great together. And most of all, they're very, very knowledgeable. So we get into their backgrounds and what is going on? What the hell is going on right now in the Bitcoin market? So be sure to tune in for an absolute banger of an episode. And as always, ladies and gents, this is not financial advice and should not be taken as financial advice as everything you hear in this episode is not financial advice and is strictly opinion. So now... Let's get into the episode. Bing bong. We are live with another edition of the State of Bitcoin podcast. And I'd like to thank everybody listening and tuning in, especially on those podcasting 2.0 apps, such as Fountain Streaming Me Sats. I've had a lot of people streaming, but no boosts were left. So if you guys want to read a review or write a review and uh, leave a boost or something like that, I'll read it on the show. Uh, but subscribe wherever you get your podcast. And I'd like to thank my sponsor as well. I got coddle.co, that's C-O-D-L dot C-O. And, uh, you know, we, we've had a lot of, of these uh, exchanges kind of shut off recently, cancel withdrawals. Get your Bitcoin off of exchanges right now. Do it and find a safe place to store it. And then use that seed phrase and put it on a steel plate. You know, Coddle.co has got a lot of different products that they offer for either 12 or 24 word seed phrases. So feel free to purchase one of those. And with that, use promo code GREENCANDLE, that's G-R-E-E-N-C-A-N-D-L-E, to get 10% off your entire order. So there you go. I'll help you out a little bit with the holidays. But I got two very special guests with you are with me today. Um, We got Anders. I'll pull him up first. Anders, how are you doing today? I'm I'm doing great. Thank you. Thanks for having us, man. Of course, of course. So if you don't recognize the voice, you should. He's uh, one of the co-hosts of the Toxic Bitcoin Happy Hour. That's every single day from 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern time. And they got a bunch of great guests popping in and out. And of course, we got the other guy, the man, the myth, the legend, Pubby. Welcome. (laughs) Welcome to the show. We were just talking pre-show. Coincidentally, we're both in Tampa. So how you yeah, doing, little, uh, Tampa Bayan or Tampanian? I don't even know how to how to go about it right now. No, man. It, it, yeah, um, it's great. You find this stuff out. What a what a small world it is sometimes. But yeah, so I've been here uh, about thirty years. So my blood is basically thinned out. Uh, I only go up north once per year, uh, usually to Colorado for some skiing, and that's and that's my winter. Yeah, I hear you. I'd rather have, uh, you know, that kind of winter where I just experience the snow on a weekend than have to deal with it, uh, you know, for multiple months at a time. But uh, there we go. We got we got Anders already in there drinking. So what are you got drinking right now? And uh, how, how do you guys do these toxic happy hours? Are you are you drinking every single day at, at this two to four p.m. time and uh, just popping beers with all the plebs or what? I can't because it's 11 a.m. for me until. 1 p oh. 1 30 p.m my time pacific and uh i i gotta be productive afterwards so so usually not i used to when we were on youtube ourselves uh i would i used to down quite a bit of uh, kentucky apple juice as i call it um <laughs> that's amazing no usually and and it started um 
there's some days I'll have a couple of beers. I like st- to stop at a, a little sports bar down here and usually get some chicken wings or something for lunch. But uh, no, nah, not like the good old days. Where we're really putting some down. Well, what's the sports bar? You got to tell me so I know where a good wing spot is. Me and some of my buddies are starting to start this thing where we're yeah. uh, tasting wings around Tampa. We're trying to find the best wings. So if you have any recommendations, let me know. Yeah, I will. I will. Uh, sometimes just uh, beef or Brady's down here. Um, they have some decent wings. Um, sometimes just swinging a Buffalo Wild Wings, a B-dubs. Uh, just, just wherever uh, I'm, I'm feeling like going. Yeah, there you go. Play the hits. All right. So I already mentioned it, the Toxic Happy Hour. So, um, you know, why don't you guys, uh, I guess, bring it back a little bit. How did you guys meet? Like, what was the, kind of the overall mission? And, you know, what got you started in doing this uh, Bitcoin Toxic Happy Hour? You want to start that, Anders? Well, I mean, I, I always speak so much, so yeah. I, I, I was being quiet, so you had a chance. Oh, yeah. I, uh, but, uh, yeah, do you want to take it? or? Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, it, you know, once you, once you get into the space, um, you, you know, you're trying to work your way through who other Bitcoiners are, um, whose views that you like. And uh, I heard Anders, uh, there used to be a show, uh, Adam Meister, the Bitcoin Meister would do a show. And uh, I heard Anders on there one day talking. He was one of the guests there. And I was like, man, this guy, he really gets it. And I, I set up a DM saying, hey, I like your views. And he just said, hey, yeah, man, give me a call and we'll talk Bitcoin. And, and that's literally how it started, just uh, just a phone call. And, you know, you, you have, as you know, there's just weren't a lot of people around four or five years ago. And so when you find someone to talk Bitcoin and you, you're just, you know, starved for that type of uh camaraderie interaction and, and learning um yeah that's how it started you guys give me one sec i'm gonna i got a fleece on it's starting to get hot here but uh yeah you guys go ahead and be right there it's getting hot in here so yeah pu- puppy uh is so sad he missed out on the nelly concert that i went to with a couple of oh, bitcoiners sorry. in miami uh back in april but, okay but I'll, I'll 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 move on from there since now puppy has problems uh, uh controlling his temperature um so it really, we started talking to each other, uh, you know, that what he just described happened about three years ago at the very bottom of the bear market. And uh, back then in that bear market, Twitter was so dead. Unlike now, there's a lot of drama and there's a lot of memes and a lot of, a lot of things happening every day on Twitter. But back then it was quiet. So those like once or twice a week phone conversations that went on for, for hours, because, you know, no one wanted to talk Bitcoin when Bitcoin was 4,000, but we had that together. So, you know, we spoke for hours every week. It turned, you know, it really uh, became a friendship uh, very quickly. And uh, then back in 2020, uh, I told Poppy that, so I started a YouTube channel in, in 17 where I was just sitting myself and trying to, you know, orange pill and explain Bitcoin. Um, I, and I told Puppy, I want to, I want to bring that YouTube channel back to life. Why don't we take these conversations that both of us enjoy? We learn from each other. Why don't we just put them on YouTube and see what happens? And um, uh, I remember BDC Moon guy was the only guy in the chat, like for our first three uh, YouTubes. Um, and and uh, it, yeah, it just uh, kind of went from there. First, we did YouTube for a year, had a lot of amazing uh, names from the Bitcoin mm-hmm. space on. Then we went to Miami in 2021 for that conference. That was actually the first time we met each other. So after having a friendship for two and a half years, that finally we get to meet each other. Um, 
which was awesome. And it took about two, three minutes and we were sitting in the lobby bar uh, doing toxic happy hour style and meeting other Bitcoiners. And uh, yeah, that was great. Yeah, it's funny how that works with like, you know, the the whole Twitter world and, and everything like that, especially the way that Bitcoiners kind of connect and, you know, just seemingly like kind of hit it off because it seems like a lot of people just don't really, you know, especially like you said, back in those, you know, five, six years ago, not very many, there wasn't a Bitcoin Twitter really, right? I mean, there wasn't a lot of people like really tweeting about it, the memes, it wasn't like the giant mass effect, or at least I didn't really know too much about it then. Um, you know, I was on Twitter, but, you know, I saw a couple people t tweeting about Bitcoin or whatnot, but never really saw like a, a big group of people like there is now, which I think kind of, you know, elevated maybe in the 2020 time when everybody was sort of at home and in the lockdowns and whatnot. But, you know, let, let's pull it back a little bit before even before you guys started the toxic happy hour. Like, you know, tell us the orange pill story. How did you guys find Bitcoin? Um you know, I, obviously you guys kind of found it separately and then, you know, met up because of it. Um, so, you know, why don't you, you go into that and, you know, I guess kind of how everything's changed since then. Puppy, do you have your body temperature under control now? Can you? Uh, hey, you wanna... yeah, we're, we're good to go. Yeah. So, um, well, Anders uh, was in uh, well before me, uh, class of 2017 here. And um, I had a friend that it was, I think, in November. and um, we're just talking and I know she's pretty bright on things, but she, um, was telling me, man, I can't believe Bitcoin is up over like 10,000 or 12,000. And I said, Bitcoin, I said, I've heard of this. I thought it was, uh, isn't that just like money for, for the internet? Like the, the gamers use that stuff. And I, cause that's what I thought it was, was just, you know, gamer money. And then she tried to break it down. She goes, I, I'm, I'm still pissed at my boyfriend. Um, because I guess she, she had known about about it since 2013 and they had been out with a, with a couple friend and the couple friend says, yeah, we're going to, you know, we, this Bitcoin thing seems pretty interesting. So we're going to, we're going to get involved. Now, mind you what those prices were in 2013 and her, her boyfriend thought it was a scam. So they didn't do it. So she's years later, just still pissed at him. And I said, well, man, this is pretty interesting. So I heard of it before. Let me check this out. Now, by the time I said, you know what? This is really cool. I, I didn't realize it. I thought as an asset class, you have something that is truly unconfiscatable. This would be sort of a neat asset just to have, you know, you know, I'm a bit older. So you always had, you know, your, your retirement accounts and you have a home and you have all these different things. But why not diversify? And I started reading up on it. Um, checking out videos. I, of course, back then it was, um, the main ones were from Andrea Santanopoulos and his videos really made a lot of sense. So I said, you know what, uh, what the hell, why not? And the only game at that time was Coinbase. <laughs> That's the only thing really around. And we, I, I signed up for the account and didn't really know what the hell I was doing. And I was hearing um, other people talk about, you know, there's other, there's other things like Bitcoin can't scale, uh, you, you need some Bitcoin cash if you want to spend it. Um, you should get Ethereum. This is new thing as world computer. And then there's Litecoin. And Litecoin is the silver to Bitcoin gold. And I said, hey, sounds good. I don't know what the hell I'm doing. So my first my first deposit, I put like equally into all of them. And yeah, the more you educate yourself with videos and, and you found people online, I, I, I just said, you know what? I don't know about the other ones. I do know that everyone everything is relying upon bitcoin 
Um, if Bitcoin goes, everything goes with it. So I just said, you know what? I'm going to go I'll put it all in there. And that's how I fell down the maxi rabbit hole of Bitcoin only. And uh, yeah, you, you look back at, at um, how those other ones have performed in terms of Bitcoin. It, it was definitely the right choice. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, I think, you know, a lot of people, especially now, they kind of, especially the, you know, the people that kind of been in, been in it for a little bit, almost forget that, you know, at the beginning stages, a lot of us might have shit coined. I think, I don't know how to want to put a percentage on it, but I think it's part of that education period. And it sounds like, you know, as you kind of started going through it, that's kind of what brought you to become, you know, more of a Bitcoin maximalist opposed to, you know, shitcoining around. But unfortunately, it seems like Bitcoin and crypto are kind of lumped in together at this time. And it's just, you know, with all this stuff getting uh, going on, we'll, we'll probably get into it in a minute. Uh, it just seems like, you know, we can't scream loud enough to just uh, try to get people to quit shitcoining. But it, it seems like it might be a little bit part of the process still. Unfortunately. Yeah, I was, I was going to let Anders, I know you want to tell your story real quick on that is, yeah, that, that's the difference, man. I, I can't imagine how difficult it is for, for many. There's Yes, there's a lot more educational um, content out there for people. Um, however, when when you came in back then, you only had a handful of other coins. You wrote, now, now when you come in and there's 20,000 coins for you to try to weed through, and not knowing what you're doing, yes, yeah, it's, it's it's quite difficult. But yeah, Anders, what, t- hey, tell tell your nice uh, intro to Bitcoin story. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. Uh, I don't I don't know if it's nice, but um, so back in um, uh, 2016, I had a lot of time on my hand, and uh, I, I I studied economics for five years in in college back in in Denmark, so I always had. Uh, a curiosity and sort of interest in, yeah, economics and the economy and money and all that. Um, and and I was l- looking at a lot of YouTube videos uh, because I felt we have a problem. And I think it kind of saved me from shitcoinery because that was my angle into to Bitcoin, how I found Bitcoin. I felt something is rotten because back in the 60s, families were doing great. You had one income, you had one house, you had either one or two cars, all on one income, right? And since then, we've had uh, GDP growth, you know, um, more and more uh, wealth, you know, overall, but people are struggling. I see, I saw, and we still see the bottom of society getting bigger and bigger, more and more poor, more and more homeless. Uh, middle class that used to do great and 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 was a like foundation of society kind of like being wiped out and it wasn't because people were going up they were going down to bottom of society so that's the reason that I was like trying to find out what's wrong uh, and and then I came so I felt like my gut feeling was it's something to do with the money it's something to do with central banks, and that's the feedback I got in a in a lot of those uh, videos. And then I came across a very like a short five and a half minute video. This is back at the end of sixteen, and it was telling me, you know, how our fiat currency is bad and why Bitcoin and uh, gold is the answer to that. That's what the video said. I don't have any gold myself, um, and uh, for me, because I had because I think that helps people understand Bitcoin better if you understand we have a problem. Because I've gone through all of that, when he mentioned Bitcoin, I'm like, 
that's it. Like very quickly, I'm just like, okay, it's Bitcoin. I got to understand Bitcoin. I got to get some Bitcoin. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, so actually I came across Bitcoin the first time in the summer of uh, 2011. I, I think many Bitcoiners have a story about first time they hear about it, they look at it, they reject it. Ah, I did in the summer of 2011 and I could I could actually have had like multiple Bitcoin if I had, you know, been smart back then instead of rejecting it anyways. Um, so that's that's how I uh, came into Bitcoin. And actually, the, so the second video I saw about Bitcoin after this very short one was Andreas Antonopoulos, a video he put out, I think, September 2017. The one where he's got the the blue background, I think it's like a 37 minute long and and. Unfortunately, he's endorsing Bitcoin today by writing books. So, you know, I consider him a shitcoiner, but uh, he like few people explains Bitcoin as well as him. And when I when I saw that video, it's like, ding, down the rabbit hole. I consumed like eight, 10 hours of uh, of Bitcoin content uh, uh, a day back then because I had a lot of time on my hand. Um, I was alone at the time, kind of like in the household. Um, so, um, yeah, that was my journey. Unfortunately, I didn't really have money to get in until the year after, but it is what it is. Uh, it was nevertheless, uh, yeah, super exciting. Uh, a quick note on, on the now. Yeah. I think that's the, that's how I, you know, found Bitcoin. Yeah. And I mean, I, I, uh, yeah, that's a good story, but I think, yeah, I, I had as mentioned from a buddy i was in like a freshman year of college or something they had somebody come make a presentation to him and like fall of 2012 maybe was a semester like we were real young in college and i i remember he, he said like yeah bitcoin's the future and i don't think he's you know actually bought any since then but he told me that and it stuck with me until like i actually started making money which was years later so Unfortunately, I didn't uh, get down the rabbit hole then or like scrounge up a couple hundred bucks or something like that then. But, um, you know, you guys bring like kind of an interesting point here. Um, you both kind of bring up, you know, uh, Andreas Antonopoulos, who like kind of is in the shitcoin realm now. But Andres, you brought up a good point saying that because of your economic background, you just kind of understood that there was a problem. And I think maybe that's where you know, the people that are kind of diving into shit coins kind of miss a point, right? They, they don't, they're still kind of stuck in that fiat mindset where they're trying to solve some problem that really isn't there. And they don't understand that, you know, maybe that, that Bitcoin is just so simple that it solves this, you know, giant problem that all the hard money principles, the easy, the ability to tra transact and things like that. And so I think that they're, they're trying to jump into these trends where it's like, hey, it's this groundbreaking blockchain technology. You can put almost anything on a blockchain now and it'll get a bunch of, well, maybe not not recently, but you know, maybe in the past couple of years, you could have put anything on a blockchain and market that and get a bunch of venture capital money. Do you think like that's kind of where the knowledge gap is? Is this not necessarily the knowledge gap on you know Bitcoin and the underlying technology, but more of like the the knowledge, lack of knowledge on like just like some of the economics and the, the reason why Bitcoin works. You want to take this one, Bobby? Yeah, I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll take this one. Out. Yeah, so, um, you know, you have to be ready. This is one of the things. Um, people are excited. Once they understand Bitcoin, 
Uh, one of the things is the first thing you want to do is tell all your friends and family about it. And you, you talk and talk and talk. And this is one thing you'll, you'll always learn is you have to be ready for it. Okay. You can't, you can't run a race for, for, for people. So there are many, like you said, that don't understand the current system. And I'll, I'll tell you two of the books that really had an influence and had prepped me um, for Bitcoin is many years ago, I had read the creature from Trekko Island. All right. So I already understood how the Fed was created, um, what they did, how they do it. Um, and also when you, you know, I was I was a bit of a libertarian, um, had read um, End of Fed and also um, a lot of uh, Ayn Rand's book, um, you know, Atlas Shrugged, when you, when you look at what the, the, the government bureaucracy is turning into. And once you're prepared or once you understand that system for what it is, you understand the value proposition of Bitcoin. All right. You're taking value from a system that that just, you know, pumps as much money as they want. And now you've got a finite asset of only 21 million that is also outside the system and decentralized. And that's what people don't realize with, like you say, all this VC money going into uh, these different coins. They're all they all have a single point of failure. Um, any pressure from governments, I mean, they, you just go after the VC. I mean, that's the greatest thing Satoshi Nakamoto ever did was disappearing. And we have just everyone can run their own node, you know. And so when people come in, they don't. That's the biggest thing. They see a value proposition of, of whatever scam coin it is that always says it can do something better, faster. And they don't realize that that isn't what um, Bitcoin solved. So they're 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 going into coins that are centralized and don't solve a problem, and yeah, you, like you say, you have to you have to really educate yourself, or you can point your friends to those books um, and and lead them there. But you're not going, you can't do it for them. Yeah, what puppy said? <laughs> you're just gonna yeah. hear everything. I want to hear the uh, the economic perspective on this. Okay, so yeah, no. What was the what was the question again? It was a long question. Um, I'm trying to. Yeah, so I mean, let's. It's it's essentially. Do you think that the knowledge gap with Bitcoin and shitcoiners is not necessarily with the technology and kind of the 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 I guess you know ins and outs of Bitcoin, but it's more so like what problem Bitcoin solves? Yeah, I think. Uh, it's really helpful to understand that we have a problem in society to appreciate what it is Bitcoin does. So, and I was lucky that was my concern when I came across Bitcoin. So that was an easy journey to see, oh, it's a solution. I recommend everyone to first try and understand money. And it's not easy. Look, I since I was a, a little kid, I like four or five years old, I loved money and wanted to be financially independent. Friend of mine about a year ago said, Oh, it's just like so you wanna like we never had the conversation of why. So it's like, oh, you want to buy a fancy cars? So and I don't even have a car. Uh it's also a bear market. You know, you want to buy fancy or expensive things. And and I'm like I explained to him, and then finally, you know, we put words to that. No, it was about being sovereign. It was about not having a master, like in a job situation, telling me what to do, when to do it, and often with, with arrogance, you know, towards the employee. I hated that. 
So for me, since I was a kid, financial independence for the sake of sovereignty was was uh, my desire. But yet, despite me so being so passionate about reaching that, I didn't understand money. Money is it's really one of the most because of the way central banking is and what they tell us and they call it money. It's it's really one of the most complicated issues to understand, even for someone who loves what it can bring to you. And I studied it for five years. And yet I thought fiat currency was money. Um, and this was the way it was supposed to be. And they keep diluting it. It's the biggest and most evil scam in the world are the central banking families that have convinced people, by the way, they own mass media. So they control the narrative and it's so powerful. Um, it's... Uh, that's why it's it's so hard to understand. And that's so the journey I went through before finding that video on five and a half minutes that explained that's why we need Bitcoin and, and gold uh, was trying to understand how money works. And I think that's one of the reasons people don't fully understand what money is, because it's about, OK, uh, the government creates debt and then the central bank buys the bonds. And I mean, it's not for layman, even, you know, it's it's a difficult topic. Um, so, but my recommendation is try and understand money, try and do the research. And I understand if you don't get it when you start, because I don't think many people do. Um, but, but once you try and understand money, then when you see Bitcoin, you, you understand that Bitcoin is by far the best money we've ever had. In fact, it is so close to being perfect that I don't think we'll ever see a uh, a replacement of it. That's dangerous to say. It's like the guy 150 years ago at the patent office in U.S. saying, oh, so everything's been invented now. We're not going to have any new things. But but it's important to understand that all the parameters of money, I don't I don't want to go through it because then it's, it, it takes a little while, uh, that Bitcoin really is um, just so close to being perfect money that it has it has already kind of won it the, the, what we're seeing now in terms of the price is really to which extent eight billion people understand that bitcoin is the best money we've ever seen and that will take over if everyone understood we'd be at infinity right now we're not there yet it will come um but uh, yeah um so when people uh, into shit coins and they think, oh, blockchain is actually um, the, what's interesting here. No, it's not. The reason blockchain is interesting is because it enables the best money the world has ever seen. Otherwise, a blockchain, apart from that, makes no sense. And as, an, as Elon Musk has stated several times, and I think this is important, for a newcomer in any industry to take over whatever... Um, a current, you know, market leader um, because of the network effects and everything to take over as the newcomer, you need to be an order of a magnitude better. better. So that means 10x better. Um, and, and when it comes to money, and we are right now seeing Bitcoin taking over as money of the world, that is what's happening. It is taking over as money of the world. Um, it can do so because it is, more than a magnitude better, probably a couple than fiat currency, which is a terrible money. Um, and when you 
when you look at it from that lens, you understand because it's so near perfect. And the only thing that makes it like not super, super perfect is we still have challenges with privacy. However, that is being solved. So a lot of people like us three understand that that's in the pipeline and we'll get there. Um, and you can't create something in order of a magnitude better than something that is near perfect. So that's the way I look at it. So, but I saw this whole thing about people wanting, you know, coming with a fiat mindset of I want sick gains, I want dollar gains. I saw that in the the dot com bubble. I was an investor in Yahoo back in the dot com bubble, and uh, and so many companies raised a lot of capital because they they used fancy words and there was no product. Exactly the same thing is happening with twenty thousand shit coins that are out there. So um, yeah, Bit, Bitcoin is 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 the is the solution. There we go. I love all that. I mean, it's absolutely great. So, but I mean, you, although Bitcoin is a solution, you you mentioned there is a knowledge gap, and you know, I think we all kind of recognize that. And there is unfortunately, you know, a lot of FUD that is still kind of out there. It seems like it is recycled every, you know, every bear market, it seems like at this point, but um, there are a lot of exchanges that have kind of gone down and, you know, people have kind of lost their Bitcoin, you know, they've maybe exchanges have issued paper Bitcoin, which, you know, obviously they didn't, they didn't verify and, and other things like that. But it seems like, you know, another one of these big exchanges, Binance right now, it might be kind of on the hot seat. They've eliminated withdrawals for USDC and ETH and everything on their BNB chain. Um, so it seems like, you know, maybe Bitcoin might be up next or might they might eliminate withdrawals altogether like other exchanges kind of had. Um, so what do you think about all these, you know, I guess exchanges kind of going down like this? Uh, many of them are just, uh, you know, kind of shitcoin casinos, so to speak. But, um, you know, it seems like anytime one of these goes down, the Bitcoin price, you know, people like to point at that, just kind of all these external factors just crashing the price. So, you know, I guess, what do you guys think about the current state of, of all these exchanges kind of going down? And, um, you know, what's your opinion on if Binance should go down or shouldn't? Or, um, you know, what would I guess happen if that, that, were, to, if that were to go down? Puppy, yeah, I'm gonna you know, let you. Yeah, exactly. Because I'm gonna I, go get a I refill. Got it. So you, yeah, no, perfect. No, we're good. We're good, man. Yeah. So, um, you know, not many people uh, have been around back when you had Mount Gox was the first one to go up in in, in flames, so to speak. Um, Trace Mayer, uh, I, and it was 2018. There was a big push to understand um, not your keys, not your coin, and if you don't secure your Bitcoin, all you're really getting is an IOU. You're getting a screenshot from some exchange saying, hey, this is your Bitcoin. No, you've got an IOU and that is it. And what has unfolded over the last three years from the ICOs, then you get um, these exchanges and then the yield platforms. And they finally blew up. You, it, people finally found out, oh, wait, um, they just sold me. Maybe they bought, a, say they bought a whole coin. Um, guess what? They didn't buy it. They said you had it, but that's all they were doing was paper Bitcoin, like you said. And it all came to a head this year. And also the ones chasing yield. Uh, yeah, if you send us your Bitcoin, we'll, we'll pay you uh, anywhere from 6%, some up to like 29%. And people thought, yeah, this is a great idea. Not realizing where in the hell do you think they're getting this type of yield? They're not. And they're, they're all big Ponzi schemes and they all implode. And this is what you saw this year 
with Luna, with Celsius, with Voyager, uh, all of them. Um, and then BlockFi is tied to FTX. Uh, and you're seeing that that um, really come into a head now. Finally, there was an arrest of uh, Sam Bakeman fried And this is the nature of it. And Binance could be next. You find out who really has what they said they have. Because that's the interesting thing with Bitcoin. Okay, banks can kick around, you know, it, it, it's all this fractional reserve um, banking that they tried to build on this Bitcoin name. Uh, but listen, when, when you request your Bitcoin and you pull it off into cold storage, uh, they, they got to give it to you and then they got to go find it. And this is that's the best thing about Bitcoin is you can do these little exchange runs. You know, if everyone goes in and, and asks for the Bitcoin they said they have, well, you find out you find out who was swimming naked, as they say. All right, Anders. Yeah. Now that you're uh, that, now that you're back, uh, I don't know if you need me to repeat the question, but you got another <laughs> hand. Nah, this time I'll I'll try and uh, remember what you said. Um, so yeah, I think first of all, what's important to understand is that with every company imploding in the cryptocurrency space, uh, not in the Bitcoin space, but in the cryptocurrency space, I would say. Um, Bitcoin, as you said, uh, the price falls. So you get something, you get Bitcoin at a, at a bigger and a bigger discount. And, and the, the, the point I want to get to is that if you look at it month by month, while Bitcoin has dropped from 69,000 to now, what is it, 17,400, uh, month by month, the fundamentals of Bitcoin have improved. Um, hashing rate, which is the security of the network, is up. I know maybe some months it's down, but if you look at like an average, it keeps going higher and higher. And, and, and it's been years since uh, nation states had a chance to attack it. Like it's now so decentralized and so powerful um, that, that the, the, the mining part of Bitcoin has secured it against uh, attacks from anyone. Even if all the countries colluded in the world and told Facebook, we need your service, Amazon, we need your service, Google, we need your service, and tried to attack, because they're not specialized in, in hashing uh, SHA-256, which is the, the uh, crypt, crypt, cryptography uh, algorithm securing uh, Bitcoin, uh, it's years ago uh, since they even had a shot at that. Uh, so, And at the same time, if you look at the amount of users uh, that's that's been going up steadily month by month. So you have something that today is a better money than it was a year ago, yet the price is down, whatever, 75% or something. Um, I think, first of all, that's really important to uh, understand or focus on. Um, all of these uh, collapses, when it comes to something like uh, BlockFi, I heard more than a year ago, an interview with them uh, on a podcast where he kept explaining it was over-collateralized um, loans that BlockFi was doing to other parties. But I guess it turned out that it wasn't. They had lent up money that was not collateralized with dollars like um, I heard on that podcast. So that's the reason they could collapse. Um, yeah fuck around and you'll find out. And if, if you do that with uh, naked lending without a backing, sooner or later, you're going to bump into a, uh, a bear market or a black swan or whatever, and, and they collapse. 
when it comes to FTX, um, they didn't, when they collapsed, as I heard from several people, they did not even have one Bitcoin on the balance sheet. <laughs> All that money that came in that people deposited and they looked at the FTX account like, oh, I bought, you know, half a Bitcoin. There wasn't half a Bitcoin. Sam Bankman fried, uh, which is ironic. I, it, like, how can, like, isn't that like for me when I read his name, Bankman or, and then fried? Like that's it's either someone wrote like a perfect simulation um, and 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 pulled an amazing joke on us by calling him that, or it's just too uh, funny that he has that name because he's a fried bankman. But he essentially stole all the user funds coming into FTX and uh, bought real estate for uh, himself and his parents. And um, yeah, it's and by the way, it's. That's probably one of the big explanations that we never saw that push above a hundred thousand or two hundred thousand dollars that many of us, including me, was expecting a year ago. We didn't see that. Well, guess what? At one of the um, premier exchanges, uh, size-wise in U.S. on on volume, that was getting in money that people thought they bought Bitcoin for, they they took zero Bitcoin off the market. So. Maybe we would have seen that, as I expected and others, if that money had gone into Bitcoin, because then the price would have gone higher. So I'm glad that FTX has collapsed. Uh, it's it's sad for the people that got scammed, but they got scammed no matter what. I'm glad it ended so new people won't get scammed by them. Yeah, I mean, and that's an interesting point. And one that I haven't really thought about is like the dilapidate, I mean, the all time high hitting 69K, like maybe if it wasn't all paper Bitcoin there, it could have, uh, you know, very easily gotten to the 100K or even even higher than that. Um, so For sure. Yeah, I mean, that that's a pretty interesting point. But I mean, you know, it still seems like at this point, news outlets and other places are still kind of grouping in Bitcoin and crypto together. And they're kind of grouping in these, these exchanges and kind of like the bears are just pointing out that, that all these scams are happening. And that's a reason not to trust Bitcoin and not to trust, you know, uh, anything that's going on in the greater, I guess, crypto world. So, you know, I guess uh, from your, your interactions, how are you guys, uh, kind of working your way around that and, you know, telling them that like, hey, you know, this FTX thing, um, Binance, if it happens, Celsius, BlockFi, whatever, like these are companies and everything else, you know, all the shit coins you shouldn't get involved with because it's just chasing the fiat gains yield. What the real solution is, is Bitcoin. So how are you guys kind of, I guess, differentiating that when people approach you with that question or, uh, are, are, are uh, you know, shit corners just kind of staying away from the, the toxic happy hour these days? Uh, well, we never had too many shit corners because we kind of explained that we're toxic towards scammers that delay the uh, adoption of global sound money. So I think um, those uh, lazy monkeys, NFTs, whatever, they figured out pretty quickly that um, that we're not there for them. But um, I what's again? What what happened and what's important for people to understand is that there is been at no fault of Bitcoin that we've seen this collapse. All these companies, it's got nothing to do with anything uh, that uh, is a problem for Bitcoin or a challenge. It is a cleansing cleansing of bad actors and scammers and thieves out of the system. Unfortunately, that has taken the price of Bitcoin down. 
but that's it probably also we've dropped a lot because of the fit raising interest rate so it's a combination um but TikTok next block bitcoin keeps working it keeps getting more users it keeps getting reaching new all-time highs in hashing rate and thereby security uh new important features in bitcoin are introduced like taproot um and 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 that, so that's what i try and tell people that bitcoin actually is stronger and better now and there's nothing anyone can do to stop bitcoin to put out another block every 10 minutes on average like bitcoin is doing phenomenal the price is down because people don't get it but that's what we're trying to help people to do puppy you got anything to add to that yeah look man um <laughs> burn it all down all right at some point we need this cleansing is and is if you're if you're self-cussing your bitcoin you've got nothing to worry about everyone that that has it off of all their exchanges all you all you can do is watch everything crash around it and <clears throat> i'm not sure how fast but um if, if and when binance goes um all it's going to do is increase um the scrutiny okay the regulation is coming okay because bitcoin is the only true commodity out there everything else is truly a security and these are they're all selling unregistered securities and guess what people are gonna get burned at hold them and this is what you do have to explain because you talk about the fud and and they love man the government and me they love to conflate bitcoin with everything else and i retweeted an article uh, that came out the other day, and I, I think it was on Fox or something, but they have a picture of the Bitcoin logo, and it's right next to Web3. And the article is about Web3, um, basically saying, Web3, is this the future or is this a Ponzi? So in one picture, what you see there is a Bitcoin logo, Web3, and Ponzi. So this is what the average viewer looks like coming in. So they love to conflate it. You know, the longer they can keep Bitcoin down, all right, and keep people from understanding how it's different and how it helps uh it, it's better for them and when you're looking at this and and i tell you when you're when you're starting here um this isn't a, a get rich quick scheme in fact you you should be holding i always say for at least two halvings do not put anything in here you need for two halvings um or you know roughly uh we have a having every four years if anyone's new and listening here uh so eight years you know and i'll tell you what man look and it's it's it's, it's so beautiful because it's it's something different to to different people and different cultures, you know. And if you look, go back three years since this whole this whole pandemic started with the lockdowns, all right. And Bitcoin was at five thousand dollars. Yes, artificially popped up to sixty nine thousand, and we're finding out those reasons now. Um, but even from five thousand to <clears throat> pump into seventeen twenty, um, look at people in Turkey, Venezuela. Uh, you know, someone in Turkey just three years ago at the start of this, if they had a thousand dollars in the bank, it's it's worth like a hundred bucks right now. All right, eighty dollars. That's that's how much that's how much their currency has been debased and going through hyperinflation. And every time you turn around, there's just a another cool feature of Bitcoin. You know, Jack Mallers when he started Strike, he found a way to use the Bitcoin rails. Okay, transferring fiat from one country to another. Uh, you know, everyone. For example, just use El Salvador as an example. Uh, but any of these countries, it, people in the, in the West, we don't know this as much, but uh, major Asian countries as well. Um, a lot of times 
you know, the, the kids go abroad, they get a job, they're, they're older to get a job, but a lot of them, they send money home in the form of remittances. And when they were using, you know, Western Union, who's jamming them for 30%, 35% on fees, this is a real world use case. And I, I just think it, it's fantastic to watch how this all unfolds. Uh, we, we, we saw what happened in Canada, the tyranny is creeping in. All right. And if people are talking about, about uh, Bitcoin's volatile over the short term, well, listen, when all those truck drivers and their families had all of their bank accounts and credit cards frozen, all right, that's 0% that you can get access to. So if you've got short-term swings, by short-term, you, know, you, you better have some of your value outside of this system. And I, I just think it's great. Every year, man, I, I, you just get more and more convicted and, and you see where the world is going coming up with the centralized, uh, you know, the CBDCs and that form of control. Every time you turn around, there's just another use case for Bitcoin. Yeah, and I mean, that's absolutely, you know, well said from both of you and I, and I appreciate the insights. And yeah, I mean, a bunch of different sound advice from here and there. But Anders, you brought up a little bit about the Fed and the overall raising interest rates. So we've had the Fed you know, kind of consistently raising by 75 basis points. And in this past meeting, they met on Wednesday. We're recording on Thursday, the 15th. Um, so they met yesterday and they're raising the interest rates by another 50 basis points, which sounds less than what they've been doing, but historically is, is pr still a pretty high raise. Um, and then we've also had the CPI print uh, that came out on the 13th of 7.1%. And, uh, you know, that was lower than expectations of 73 which is insane. And, and the market still ripped. So, you know, I guess it seems like at, at this point, the Fed and Jerome Powell just kind of, you know, pulling the strings behind the scenes with, you know, the, the overall fiat currency. But it seems to be affecting, you know, the Bitcoin price and kind of the way people view Bitcoin as well. So, I mean, how do you think that those two worlds are going to keep interacting, uh, I guess, for the the time being, especially in such a you know, volatile and inflationary time that we're in right now. The two worlds of a fiat currency and Bitcoin or? Yeah. And I mean, just the overall policies that the Federal Reserve are kind of, uh, you know, I guess, making and, and kind of changing as they go at this point. Uh, well, I, th I think the Fed is in the driver's seat in terms of also the price of Bitcoin. And uh, this hiking interest rate has definitely punished all assets. And, and short-term, Bitcoin is correlated to other assets, um, but, but long-term, not. So when, um, when Bitcoin has just kept, uh, or they have kept raising the interest rates, you know, we've seen a punishment of the price of, uh, of Bitcoin. Uh, so now, I guess we are waiting for something to break in the system. And when I say that, it's because I listen to some really smart people like this morning in um, in uh, Cafe Bitcoin, which Swan, Swan runs. Um, there was, uh, was Larry Lepard, James Lavish, Dr. Jeff Rush, Greg Foss, Preston Pish, amazing, you know, amazingly smart people in this space uh, talking macroeconomics. And 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 I think, well, as they're all saying, they expect something to break. We just don't know what's going to break. And when it happens, but when it does, and it's pretty much inevitable, um, as Greg Foss says, it's, it's, it's simply math. When that happens, they may not lower 
rates because that's what people knows know officially um, is like the Fed is fighting inflation, but they may start printing money. Give me two seconds. They must. Two seconds. Poppy, take over. <laughs> Tubby, let's hear it on your end. Yeah, I did. Yeah, Andrew's the guy. He knows all the thing with, with the rates. At some point, um, yeah, it, it, it's going to be a pivot. All this, it, 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 this is unsustainable. And I, I'll give you an example of what, what, what's happened as far as the, the whole, like the rates effect on home prices. Uh, I bought my house in, in 2001. And at the time, I got a great deal at 7%. 7% was actually a good deal because it was coming down from eight and nine and um, thought that was great. But for, for 20 years, we saw these rates just go to ridiculous lows. And I remember like at four and a half percent, man, I did a refi because I'm thinking this is ridiculous. They're, they're debasing their currency. They're, they're giving these, these rates when you know inflation, um, what, what it, what's going on with it. And you can say, man, I can get to the four and a half percent. This is crazy. Well, fast forward to 2020 and we're at 2.7%. I mean, it's, it was free money, absolutely free money. But how quickly did we go from 3%, you know, ticked up a little bit. That's only been within a year and we're pushing, you know, six, 7%. By the way, home prices have tripled and quadrupled in value in that time. And so, I'm looking around my neighborhood and the, the mortgage that, that someone got, you know, 10, 15 years ago, uh, if they're buying that same house today, you're paying three times on, on just your mortgage. We have a generation, unfortunately, uh, uh, that's coming up. If you're a kid in your 20, man, I don't know what to tell them because wages short, short as hell hasn't kept up. How do they afford these homes and houses, man? It, it, it's, uh, it's a sad thing to see. All right, Anders, you made it back with us. Um, do you have anything to add or uh, kind of want to get back into the point about you know, the Fed raising interest rates? But I mean, you know, Pubby, you nailed it on the head there about the inflation with with home prices and everything else. And it seemed like, you know, they're, they're kind of trying to, I guess, you know, reverse some of the steps that that they made you know, earlier, obviously, we had the interest rates very low, near 0% for nearly a decade, maybe even a little bit longer, up until, you know, the 2020-ish crash after the print and everything, they started raising them. And it seems like, you know, they should have kind of started raising them a little bit earlier, but everybody can sit here and kind of, you know, hindsight is 2020, right? So, um, you know, I guess, how do you think that this continues, Anders? And uh, yeah, do you want to kind of get into the overall just Fed policy and kind of what's going on in, in the fiat clown world over here? Yeah, so I don't know if they should have uh, um, uh, raised rates earlier. I think the Fed should have committed suicide a long time ago. It should never have been created. It's, uh, it, it's an evil uh, cancer in society. But they control the narrative through ownership of uh, mass media. So people think it's okay and that we need money to lose value every year. It's, it's stupid, but people believe that. Um, no, actually, I think I finished my, um, my, um, my points there before. Uh, I don't have anything to add to the, the previous answer, but uh, mm -hmm. what's going to happen is there are two worlds now, dirty fiat currency and Bitcoin. 
the dirty fiat still has an influence on Bitcoin, like we've seen the last 12 months, but it's a matter of time before Bitcoin will put central bankers out of business. Thanks God for that. Society will, um, will become much better. It, 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 as, as Jeff Booth says, um, it, it'll be a, a world of abundance. People can't even imagine how wonderful the world is going to be, I think, um, from being on sound money. Uh, it, it's going to be phenomenal. And I think that this period of uh, humanity's history under central banking, that's the true dark ages. I know we talk about a thousand years ago after the Vikings was done with uh, burning down England and so forth that they, you know, they, that's known as the dark ages, but the true dark ages is under, you know, what we've experienced under central banking and people thinking, you know, um, that's just the way it is. They blame capitalism, but it's not capitalism. Money is the most important commodity in any economy. It's on one side of every transaction. Money is 50% of all economic activity because anytime you buy or sell something, money goes the other way. Free market and capitalism would be that the price of money, which is the interest rate, um, is decided by the market. But just like Soviet Union and Cuba have absolutely destroyed economic output uh, through central planning, the most important commodity of any economy, money, we have central planning here in the United States and in the entire world. Um, why? Because it's a very, very profitable business to be centr a central banker. Um, so, yeah, that's going to end and it's, the world's going to be better off for it. Yeah, and it might be a little bit of a bloody path, um, you know, to that end, because I don't think that central bankers are going to go down easy just simply because of what you what you said there, Anders, is that, you know, it's so easy to make a lot of money when you're a central banker. So go ahead. I want to add to that before uh, Poppy uh, answers your question. And, and that is, uh, yeah, I think it's going to be bloody, but it's not going to come from the central bankers. Sure, they're fighting us, uh, you know, a little bit with wanting to make um, uh, different law so uh yeah, bitcoin is controlled there's currently a bipartisan um law suggestion that uh is um, draconian but the real bloody situation is going to come from all the people that as fiat now will collapse over the next 10 years or so it's only going to be you know as we move into that situation with hyperinflation and everything that will come um, we're just going to see, I think, you know, the poverty explode and uh, their willingness to at the bottom of society to 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 have food, have shelter is going to create nasty situations. That's where the blood is going to come from is the uprising and the riots that we're going to see. Um, so that that's what I'm not worried about, but uh, stock up on ammunition and uh, your self-protection um, uh, means. Puppy, do you got anything to add to uh, to that? <laughs> That's a pretty good rant, um, Edwards. Uh, you know, I would say this, yeah, moving forward, uh, it, you know, it, it's great on the shows. We always had the best conspiracy theories and everything going on. Um, but I would just posit, look around and look, look at the social engineering, uh, what they're preparing people for. And we always talk about 
the World Economic Forum, the WEF on, on our show. And when their, their message is you will, you will own nothing and be happy, uh, you will <laughs> prepare for a future where you're eating bugs, you're taking cold showers. I mean, they are literally, literally preparing people for, for what's coming down. All the shortages. You already look at look at look at the supply chains always breaking down now. All right, um, these lockdowns and they're keeping people from from traveling. You know they're getting they're getting people used to a future. It's a, a quite a dystopian one, and I, I I don't know how quickly it's going to unwind, but I I can see it happening. Oh, at the very least, you know, I definitely think that it's it's in the cards here at some point in time in the future. But you guys have been very generous with your time. So I really appreciate you coming on. I appreciate the toxic happy hours that you you guys do every single day. I really enjoy them. And uh, it's a great part of my day when I can join them. So why don't you tell everybody what you got going on and where they can find you? You start, Puppy. All right. Well, yeah, so. We try to go Monday through Friday. Um, we, you know, we both are, try to be there uh, Monday to Friday, two p.m. to four p.m. Eastern time. And uh, I, I would just say this: Yeah, it's a great space, um, a spaces chat where everyone stops by, and this is the best part uh, of just the regulars, all the all the plebs hanging out there. But it is so cool when you have others that do educate. You know, and, and Greg Foss and Max Kaiser, okay, and Jeff Booth and. and and these guys stop in and Lawrence Lapard, and it's such a great location because obviously everyone's geographically separated, but you get your Bitcoin content uh, every day, and yeah, it's just a, just a fun place to hang out. And I'll throw it over to you, Andrew, for what what we have upcoming. Yes, we do. <laughs> so uh, we just love hanging out with fellow Bitcoiners. It's what brought uh, Puppy and I together. But so at and that we truly enjoy Bitcoin conferences because that's the time where we get to meet our friends from Bitcoin Twitter. Um, so what Pubby and I did this year at Pacific Bitcoin, which was Swan's first um, conference that they hosted. And what an amazing job they did. That was really, really uh, amazing. Um, trying to avoid to swear. Uh, so what we did, Puppy and I, the day before, you know, we've seen uh, John Cheneau shout out, uh, throw a couple of club parties in uh, Miami before that conference. So for for LA, we thought, hey, you know, why not? Let's uh, let's go. Let's uh, have that because we enjoyed it in Miami in twenty one and twenty two. Let's throw, you know, it's my backyard. Let's throw a a club party, and we did so, and uh, had an amazing time there. I. I truly loved it it was a lot of fun uh putting together something that we had 390 people walk through the door uh had help for some really good uh, from some really good people Cayman, uh, ulrich uh, and others and um a lot of people gave us the feedback afterwards that they're so happy they came to the pleb party because they made those connections with new people and people they already knew from twitter so they they told us that they enjoyed the conference more because they already had those connections. To me, that's like the best possible feedback apart from the party itself being kick-ass. Um, so what we have coming up is we're throwing in another party for Miami because we like doing this. And that's going to be May 18th. Um, this So the first one, we put in a lot of work and our own money. 
uh, and uh, it's a bear market, so we can't continue to do that. So it's going to be uh, at what is not like like on Fountain, you know, people streaming your stats. It's going to be value for for value. So um, people uh, buy tickets for this. We uh, only launched it recently. Already more than a hundred tickets or people have signed up. So uh, it's an event, right? Maybe you can throw a link in the in your uh, YouTube uh, description. It's it's in the pin tweet of both uh poppy and i um so really 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 looking forward to that i thoroughly enjoyed throwing a party that people enjoyed and there goes the doorbell it hasn't gone for a couple of years puppy um since you were on youtube um so that's what we have coming up looking we are in the process of putting it together now many ideas uh but what i can guarantee is uh it's going to be awesome and Poppy and I is gonna, uh, we are gonna have a good time, and we're gonna make sure everyone else have a good time. Unless they're shit coiners, if they're NFT bros or shit coiners, they will be followed to the door. I don't care. Puppy don't care. It's Bitcoiners only. Yeah, almost done. Yep. There we go. Awesome <laughs> stuff. Yeah. yeah. I mean, for sure. So, I mean, uh, you guys have been very generous with your time. Like you said, Anders, I just got the Eventbrite link, and I'm gonna put it in the show notes on the YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. So be sure to check that out. Support the boys. They're doing great stuff for these pleb parties. And uh, I think I, I'm going to buy a ticket as well, and I'll, I'll try to be there as well. So um, awesome stuff. And The first uh, tickets are cheaper. We're sending them, like, you know, in, in, in pieces. So the first 50 people paid only $21. Um, and then so it goes in trenches or whatever you call it. I mean, it's my second language, so it's difficult. Also, why you're here give Brandon a like and subscribe and hit that bell button because uh, this is solid YouTubery. Um, so, uh, so support Brandon and green candle it. Thank you. I appreciate that. And with that, uh, thank you guys so much uh, for coming on and we'll have to have you back then maybe a, a little bit closer to uh, Bitcoin Miami to uh, push the party. If you guys aren't already sold out by then. So let's go. Uh, thanks let's a lot, it. man, for having us. Appreciate it. Yeah, Thank you.